0: Welcome to the Product Design Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Kulin, founder of UX Cabin, where we create world-class web and mobile apps. I'm excited to bring you a behind-the-scenes look into the lives of some of the most interesting and talented people in product design. We'll get strategic advice on how they got to where they are today and things they wish they would have known earlier in their career. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks so much for checking out the Product Design Podcast. We have a really cool episode for you today. We are going to be talking with Kate Suma, the Product Design Manager, leading growth at Miro. We're going to talk about career path. We're going to talk about growth as a designer, how to move up, how to not get tired of your job. But without further ado, Kate, thank you so much for being here.
1: Hey, everyone. Hey, Seth. Thanks for inviting me for your podcast. I'm a huge fan and happy to be here today.
0: Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what some of your hobbies are and your current role?
1: Yeah, it's a lot of questions in one. So I'm like living in Amsterdam now. I'm leading an amazing team of eight designers at Vera for growth stream. And yeah, so I enjoy any part of living in Amsterdam, like cycling, gardening. I have a lot of plants at my home. And yeah, so actually in terms of like my role these days, so I'm focused on people management. So helping my team to deliver design, also scaling the team. And it was a very interesting path towards that. That took me more than five years. We'll be happy to dive into that today as well.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your origin story of how you even got into product design in the first place?
1: Yeah, sure. It It was a journey, honestly. So I will probably not dive into my childhood, just mentioning that I used to like fine arts when I was at school. But years later, when I started studying at university, I started like IT specialty, And when I was coding and programming, I realized this is not something I really enjoy and started thinking of like, what might be my actually career future? And a lot of people around me, they were like just developers and creating different mobile apps and very close to digital. And I was thinking how I can connect my kind of aspiration in fine arts with something digital. So I uncovered graphic design. And interestingly, my first probably job was like illustrator and I was creating illustrations for postcards and selling them in a very small local store in my city. And that was my literally first freelance job. And sometime later, I just found that maybe UI, UX design and something closer to digital and technologies disciplines might be more interesting for me as a career journey. And that was a very like, actually, pretty expensive experiment for me these days because I invested all my money into buying a MacBook and installing Sketch and actually learning how to use it. But it was a good investment. I started working as a freelancer, helping my friends who were like creating different mobile apps and joined a mobile agency where I actually started doing actual work as a UI UX designer for mobile apps. And it didn't took long actually people from Mira previously real time word reached out to me and that time I felt I'm absolutely not ready for that <laughs> I felt like oh, I need to wait I need to become a stronger designer I need to work in a mobile agency for maybe a year or two and maybe after that I will be ready to join Mira but it it was a very small startup at that time it was like 50 people um, anyways, the product was well-known, it was pretty solid, and I didn't feel that I'm ready. Eventually, I decided to give it a try, at least to do the whole test home task, right? And I remember in the middle of the day how I was staring at my laptop, and I didn't know what to do with this test home task, but I decided to do it anyways. And after the interview with the company, I remember there was a moment when I woke up next day, it was actually my birthday and I just checked the inbox and I found the email from our CEO, Andre, with the offer. And that was wow. a total surprise. Like it, it was probably one of the best gifts I received for my birthday so far. <laughs> and yeah. And of course, I took the opportunity to join.
0: Wow. That's awesome. So a few things that we can dive into. I'm always curious how someone actually got their first job because there seems to be quite a big gap in a lot of times between, you know, college or university or boot camp and actually getting that first offer, that first opportunity. Maybe you can give us a little insight to that.
1: Yeah. So I think in my situation, it was just a little bit of luck and a little bit of courage to take the right role in the right moments. Like now as a hiring manager, how I see that, I think like Overall, the portfolio makes sense. Overall, if it's not even like a lot of actual projects, like the quality of the portfolio, investing into that makes a lot of sense. Creating your own website, it's like all very valuable things that can help to to get an offer, to get some connections, even with some people who might be interested for these like open, open new first jobs. And yeah, so overall, I think like Getting a first job is pretty challenging. And also maybe looking for companies who are open for fresh talent, like internship and small startups, right? Mira at that time was 50 people. Of course, nowadays, it's more challenging to get into companies bigger scale because it's like hyper growth, looking for like senior talent and maybe looking for smaller companies with a good potential is the way to go.
0: Yeah, definitely. So when you got hired on to your first job, did you say that you just kind of knew someone in there or like you had an introduction or how did that go?
1: Yeah, (laughs) no, actually I didn't know people in the company, but it was a small kind of company and city and everybody knew each other more or less. What helped me personally, I think it's like just the way how I show myself that time with this growth and learning mindset. So I was absolutely honest with everybody that I don't have a lot of hands-on actual experience. I don't have relevant experience. So a lot <laughs> of things to learn from scratch. But I also gave examples of how I learned these things in my past. So how I was like. Within my studies at university and other examples. I believe that people in the company just believed in me and I really appreciate that. Uh, So it was more around this, you know, being open, being honest, getting into this cultural fit. And when you are hiring for people in this early stages, like when you're just 50 people, I think one of the most meaningful things that you are looking for is like the value set and culture fit in people and this learning and growth mindset. So yeah, this is probably what helped me to get this opportunity.
0: Yeah. And then did Miro reach out to you initially he did, uh, to invite you to interview?
1: It's unbelievable. Like I still cannot understand why they reached out to me <laughs> because I had like a very small, dribble portfolio, something on Behance, and that's it. But I was one of these, you know, local talent, if you if I can measure that. So locally there were not a lot of designers in the original city where the company was founded. So that's why maybe it helped me also to (laughs) to show myself, right? In in this small city in small town. Yeah, but there is no actually understandable rationale behind that, why they decided to reach out.
0: Yeah. So you could say you got your opportunity largely because you posted things or had some sort of small presence on Dribbble and Behance, in addition to you yeah. being local, but that was probably where they found you at least.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Wow. So I think, yeah, there's definitely a lesson there to like have some sort of presence on some of these sites. Maybe Dribble or Behance, I don't even know, isn't the, the best place to be now. Maybe it's a more personal site. Maybe it's some other space. But I think...
1: Yeah. I think these days, Dribbble is already like super outdated and I think like overall having your own website and investing into that, investing into quality and even visual quality. Even if you are like UX designer that is not maybe super close to the visual design, the website is your face. Like this is how you can sell yourself. And years later, like I invested a lot of time into creating my website and I still think it was a good investment. I continue evolving that, adding new cases, adding used links there. And people somehow find it on the internet and reach out to me later and say like, wow, I found this case pretty useful. So it's like a huge and powerful tool to build your personal brand today. And also investing into making it very beautiful is another thing I would suggest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, when you got to Miro, did you feel like you were way in over your head? Did you feel like you had imposter syndrome or did you feel really comfortable and capable?
1: Oh, yeah, it's a good question. Of course, I, I felt a huge imposter syndrome, probably the biggest uh, like in my life. <laughs> so maybe the first the first two months were very challenging, if you ask me about these low moments, right? So it was absolutely <laughs> the biggest example of this low moment in my career. So I felt like I'm not delivering what I'm expected to deliver. I had a very challenging first project, actually. I need to I needed to design the whole payment and billing flow for paid customers, and it was pretty a lot of responsibility for me being like pretty junior these days. And also like I have never done anything like that before. So that was pretty huge. And honestly, after first two months, I was almost ready to give up. Really? <laughs> really, really. Yeah. What I decided to do that time is having a candid discussion with my manager. I actually even proactively asked for that because we didn't have any you know, onboarding or like, you know, performance right? and like that. So I just asked to have a conversation and I shared openly that, hey, I think like I'm struggling here, but I really want to learn how to do these things. But I need a little bit of support, guidance and learning to get there. And he actually supported me. And like a year later, I would say, yeah, after several months, there was a, one of the highest moments in in my career when I got my first promotion, when I got more understanding that I can do the job. And it was one of the highest moments because I thought that the effort that I have invested led to to an outcome, to really a tangible outcome. And after that, there were like, of course, like it's life, it's like ups and downs. Uh, it's happening all the time. And when I had a small like a lower moment, I just knew that you need to invest into learning, move forward, wait a little bit, and soon or late, the high moment will happen right after that.
0: Yeah. That was really cool. So you said that your manager supported you. Was there like a specific ask of like, hey, I need you to like help me design these things? Like more hands-on or like I need training or what was the ask and how did he end up supporting you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think like because we were a very small company, we had just three designers. We spent a lot of time with him actually doing some pixel movement every day. So it was very useful for me that time. So it really helped me to learn the basics, right? I also invested My, like, just my time into studying, into learning after work, during the work. So I just created the plan for myself. So, what I need to learn, like typography, the UI design, the UX design, reading the book. So I was like fully packed with different steps. Yes. How to do that. And yeah. So, of course, yeah, he invested his time as well into like helping me to do the basics and. Like, for example, after first month, he started to step out and I became more autonomous. So I had more freedom to build relationships, to build things myself. So this is also the approach and model that I'm, for example, using now with people in my team. When there is a need in support or also creating these partnerships, if there are strong people in craft and there are people who are struggling with that, creating these design bodies or these partnerships so they can help each other.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. What I was assuming and what I think is true is like when you are at that younger stage, um, you do kind of have to supplement your workday with kind of broader knowledge and skill set of like resources, reading, just kind of like making it your identity to get to the next level. Because like a lot of things that you're doing in your day to day are very like specific and pinpointed. And you, you know, at the junior or entry level, really just need to absorb everything you can from the foundations of of product design. And I think, you know, if you want to level up quickly, it's like, yeah, put in the time at work, but then you probably also need to like be consuming things and learning and doing side projects and more fully like getting up to speed with some of those additional resources.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thinking about that, like leveling up in the career, I think the very simple thing to do is like just do the job that you want to do next in a year or in six months. Just start doing it today. Integrate some parts of it with some baby steps. So, for example, if you want to be a lead designer, just be a lead designer, become a lead designer by bringing out the project that you want to lead. Lead that project, show it, make it visible for stakeholders, for the leadership, and then you can get a promotion. So this was something that I used in my past or also treating it as an experiment. It really helps to treat it not that serious, right? So you can design any transition as an experiment, for example, I designed that transition when I was thinking about moving from a C to manager. So it was just six months experiment first with some success criteria, like how we will measure the success, what I need to do, what are the expectations. And only after that, if it works for me, if it works for the company, we made the official transition. So it was not that stressful that next day you need to do the management right. oh, it don't work like that
0: right yeah no, that's really cool I think another thing that might be interesting to get your take on is after you had your meeting with your manager did you feel a lot more like calm and safe and less like I don't know exposed or whatever and more like you could just take a deep breath and like start to like you know, focus on, you know, doing good work versus, you know, being this amazing designer day one?
1: Mm -hmm. I think like the first year was pretty stressful for me. Okay. uh, Company, not just first two months, because, you know, like the imposter syndrome, I don't know, like for different people, of course it's different, but it doesn't just disappear so fast. It's like pretty strong thing inside you. And to build that confidence, you need to do a lot of work with yourself, actually. And the longer you're staying with the company, the longer you're building stronger relationships, strong cases, visibility, your personal brands, the more confident you become in the end. So I think for me, honestly, it took about a year. Yeah. To some level of confidence that I was more able to speak up in like different leadership meetings, share my opinion or ideas. But over time, Also asking people for feedback and listening to it and understanding that people are actually value some parts of you that you might not value in yourself. Like, for example, they think that being humble is a good cultural fit, but you think that being humble is like something is wrong with me. I'm imposter syndrome. I'm just showing it to everybody. It's like just gives you new insights into something that can actually be your strengths, not your weaknesses. So over time, you learn the people around you and it really helps to become more confident. But the thing that I think we should accept is like, it takes time. It will not happen immediately.
0: Yeah, that's very true. You know, looking back over your career, I think you obviously did a lot of things right. Is there anything you look back and you say like, ooh, I wish I would have steered clear of this, or I made a mistake or went down a wrong path here? Anything like that you can think of?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I was thinking about that. And honestly, please ask me in five years, maybe, and I can give you something new. But so far, I think there is nothing I did wrong with. Yeah. So there were some decision-making moments, and my, but when I... mm, Made some decisions that actually helped me to stick to this path of design uh, and design career growth. And I think they, they all were right. So for example, yeah. I had moments when I, one moment it happened after one year being in the company. So I actually had an option to transition to product management. And I was so passionate about that. I was so passionate about the business aspect of the company. And I was working in the growth, so it's very close to the product management. That I was considering that. My best friend in the company was a product manager, so I was like, wow, it's so nice. But then I realized that maybe some parts of product management I can better integrate into my design work, and then it can be more powerful because I've already invested years into building the design career. So then I just continued doing this with this adjustment of, okay, maybe I will be more data informed in my design work and it can be more interesting for me. And then a couple of years later, I also had a moment of considering transitioning to UXR. It was interesting because I was a bit tired of UI and I was also doing user research job in the company when we didn't have user researchers. And for one year, I conducted a lot of interviews with customers, maybe more than 100. And I was so passionate about that. I was thinking, why I'm not doing it as my full-time job? And then I also learned that discovery process and research process is like a very heavy part of design job. It's maybe even half of design job. Why I need to transition to a new discipline if I can make my day-to-day just a little bit different with these new things that seem to be passionate? So again, I didn't, switch the track or role, I continue doing the design just with, again, a little bit of adjustment for this research and discovery. And over years, like some similar decisions like that help to stay loyal to this design career track. Sure. Continue enjoying that, not getting tired of that and grow along the way. Because every time when you switch the role or discipline, especially for example product management which is very tricky discipline you need to invest years into building the foundations and it can slow down you in terms of like the career growth but you can modify the role as design like product design is super modifiable role to fulfill it with new things that might be interesting for you
0: yeah no that's great i'm sure everyone listening is really really interested to know like what the work culture is like at Miro and some of the positives and negatives of working at such a big startup?
1: Yeah, it's, it's great question. So I think like the good thing about culture, if it also resonates a bit with my story is like this learning iteration mindset, it's like in DNA across all the processes, people, rituals. So I think it, It's also something that helped me grow personally in this company. So like, yeah, especially in the growth team, we need to iterate. We need to be open for failures. We need to learn from that and all these things. I think it's very powerful cultural asset that helps people who are joining company grow, help us grow the product, change the product, adapt the product for new realities, right? Because. Like we are building a collaboration tool and collaboration is not static. It's like changing all the time. So the phrase is like the only constant in the world is change is absolutely yeah. true here. So when there was COVID, we all used to these remote ways of working and we adapted Mira for that, for example. And now when people are coming back to the offices, there is a new norm, which is hybrid and nobody knows how to work with that mode and if you ask me what are the what is challenging yeah these days in the company like Mira or in this problem space is actually to understand how to solve this hybrid problem because it's very challenging imagine like you're sitting in the room a couple of people are in the room and other people are just connecting remotely and it's super chaotic sometimes to organize this workshop and make inclusive and efficient. Right. So overall, it's pretty, pretty challenging. And yeah, so in terms of culture in the company, I think the foundational aspects, even with the company growth, remained the same. Like this driving change, being open for learnings and iterations. So when it was 60 people, it was the fa- like the core asset. And now when it's more than, 2000 people or around that it's still a big compass for us
0: yeah no that's great i think like you said the only constant is that there's always change so it sounds like there's never just you do something and it's done but you do something then you iterate on it then you iterate on it again and it probably helps you guys move a lot faster than having to the feeling of having to do something perfect the first time
1: yeah. Yeah. It's actually something that we are trying to evolve now, how to move faster or even faster, because, you know, it's pretty natural also for the company in different stages and different scale. So in the beginning, when it's very small, when it's startup, when you know ev- everyone, it feels like, oh my God, you are like just moving as a rocket ship and you can just release a new version of the product every six months. And it it feels like, wow, it's so exciting. but. When the company starts growing, you are slowing down, which is natural, because new people are coming, processes are changing, more alignment is happening, which is absolutely natural. So now after this hyper-growth stage, we are trying to adjust this speed. Together with that, we want not to lose the quality, because this is sometimes what can happen with companies at scale. Like You can right. you continue running an experiment, just launching, launching, launching and the quality can be not there anymore. So delivering high quality past is like something we are trying to figure out. It's again, not that simple as it sounds like to actually enable that in the company at scale of 2000 people. But yeah, I think we are on the way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so here's a question I'm dying to know is how in the world does a company go from 50 to 2000 people and what were the growing pains like? And what were the logistics? And how did the company even do that?
1: Yes. Oh, my God. I remember this day, this moment when actually COVID happened. And like we decided to stay home. It was a week, then it was a month, then it was two months. And when we started student home, the company was, let me think, maybe 250 people, something like that. In total, wow, 250 people, and then in three months or something like that, I realized that we are almost thousand. <laughs> so, and I we also grew in charts of customers. So they were like three million users, and then in three months there were ten or even more million users. So it's like it was so fast, and of course our processes didn't work anymore. We have right. never worked. Remotely, ever it was mostly like local company and distributed some parts of it. Like, but product organization have never worked remotely, so we had to adapt our processes. Of course, uh, it was like not that painful. Probably also because with this learning mindset, we are pretty comfortable with constant change, right? So we need to adapt to that quickly. So adjusting some processes wasn't super painful because we were storing all information in Mira. We were using Mira as a tool, like drinking our own champagne, as I call it. So it was pretty easy to to adjust to that. What was probably more painful is like to adjust to the reality of the company where you don't know how people look like anymore. (laughs) It's like, all right, who are these new people here who are new these people there and even in design work we like when I joined it like we had just three designers and now we have 55 or something like that in our design work so it's not natural. you need to understand that yeah it's the moment now and it will take time to operationalize these things uh, to work good at this new scale yeah but overall yeah it was a pretty interesting journey for yeah. the company. Yeah, with this hyper growth.
0: You might not know this information offhand, but I'm really curious, like the breakdown of like departments or employees that come on when you're having that hyper growth. Cause like, I would imagine customer service is like a huge Mm -hmm. team or like as a product like Nero grows, what part of the employees don't really scale as well? And you need to just add a ton of employees it to effectively, you know, go from 200 to 2,000?
1: Yeah, I think like it's the question that might be better to ask our CEO. <laughs> <because I've>, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not storing in my head the information of like a number of people in each department. Sure, but right. I, would, I would say the interesting thing is that for the product work, like product managers, designers, even with adding not That many people, like not hundreds of new product managers or designers, there is still pretty painful moment when new people are coming in these essential strategic roles, like product manager or product designer, and they have either a new team or they're taking over a discipline that we were thinking about like for years as a small team. And they start bringing new things, new thoughts, new vision and start executing that. Then other people, new people are coming, they start aligning, they can think of something new. And it feels like you are not delivering things for some period of time because people are learning, they are navigating in this reality and they are trying to figure out at least what they need to deliver. But you used to this mental model that we need to deliver fast. Every quarter we are delivering so many new things, new features, new experiments. And it feels for you like we are slowing down. We are not delivering anything. Yeah. But you need to be conscious about that and give people time to kind of unboard themselves into this complex this right. like Mira, give them time to strategize. And after that, the delivery smoothly starts happening.
0: Yeah. Do you think that like as the company grows, it is either like more or less like political where it's harder to affect change or there's more personalities that you have to deal with and figure out? Or like, does that get easier as it's bigger or like harder? Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think like it's just a bit different. So overall, if company values these changes and like ability to change, we have even our value one of our values, which is like drive change and be open. (laughs) So if company is open for that. I think even with scale, it's possible, it's doable, but it's a bit different. So maybe the way towards that change is a bit longer or you need to be more conscious about some risks and some things. Like, for example, if you want to change the process completely, like let's revamp the whole way of how we do the product reviews in the company. The cost of that change might be more expensive and there might be some risk that you you need to mitigate, like, okay, if we will exclude this group from the product reviews to make it faster, they will lose the context and right. the pros will be less transparent. So there are more things that you need to consider, but overall, you know, the people, if you know right people, if you have these connections, you to experiment with any change, right? So also positioning it as an like experiment is very powerful. Honestly, if you want to get a buy into something faster. Don't position it like, oh my God, it's a huge reorg project. It's a huge like new processes project, blah, blah, blah. Just treat it as experiment. Okay, let's experiment with that next quarter on a smaller scale. For example, we will do our product reviews or design reviews differently just in one department or one st- stream. We will see how it goes and if it works, we can scale it towards the whole work. This is very easy to start moving in this change direction.
0: Love it. Love it. I think that's really cool culture to have there where change isn't scary. It's just testing it out, seeing what works better. And then if it does work better, then, you know, you adapt it to the full team. But yeah, yeah, wanted to, you know, kind of get into some of the topics that you're, you're a little bit passionate about not getting tired of your, design job and being able to grow and, you know, take the next step and not get stuck. So maybe you can give us a little bit of more insight into how you organized your career to not get tired of your role.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Overall, reflection moments with yourself are very powerful and essential. So like asking yourself, what I'm doing here? What are my flow moments? If I even have them at my current role, current job, what I want to do next, what I really like doing, do I actually do that day to day? And from that, you can do these reflections on life. For example, I do that at least on a quarter basis and re-navigate with yourself. Okay, this is my role today, but it feels like something is missing. So The previous example was like, I was tired of UI, for example, but I uncovered that discovery and user research was super energizing way of working for me. So just understanding that, noticing that, being aware of that, then integrating that into your day to day, and then you have a new wave of new energy, right? Yeah. So also think the novelty and new things is something that helps you not to get tired, so being open to new things, like I'm getting tired in one team. Can I try a project in another, another team on another scope, another, like even stakeholder. So these whole novelties are like uh, new things around you is like uh, treating them as energizers and yeah. that being open them is something also very powerful. And yeah, so I think like also we as designers, We can treat our job as a, how to say, design project and design it, you know? For example, like prototyping, how I want to see my job, what I want to do. Do I want to do more craft? Do I want to do more research, more management, more this or that? Allocating some of your effort, focusing to these packets, making it diverse because like diversity helps you energize yourself with different things you might like and reiterating on that so treating this as a design project it's like interesting there is even a book it's called like designing your life so it's pretty nice approach how you can apply design thinking to your life but together with that it can be applied to the job and career and so this is how i think like what what helped me to find these flow moments to be aware of them And to, again, modify the job from time to time, because sometimes you are getting tired just because it's same over years or over quarters. So changing that and modifying helps not to get tired. And if you're getting tired, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. So maybe taking a break, taking some side project, or even going on vacation, because there are different reasons behind that. Maybe it's more like of like just actual thing when you're tired and you need to take a rest, which is also fine. And we need to find the like the space for that in our crazy calendars.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's good. It's kind of funny you mentioned, you know, you were getting kind of tired of just UI and you wanted to do some more things in like research and, you know, kind of just bounce around a little bit, make liven up the day and, and not necessarily be so just focused and specialized in one thing. I was reading an article the other day. It was a survey for designers and it was talking about, it was just going through like satisfaction levels among different design disciplines and among different design levels. And the happiest people on the survey or design generalists. And I have to think that's because they're able to just do a bunch of different things. Like no matter how much you love research or how much you love information architecture, like if you do it every day for years and years and years, you're probably going to get burnt out or bored of it. So I think there's definitely something there to having generalist traits to be able to be like, ah, I just want to go, you know, prototype for a while, or I want to go interview people for a while and being able to just get a new scenery there. The other thing is that people's satisfaction with their job went down as they progressed into higher levels, which is really interesting to me. And again, I don't know the conclusion of that, but maybe it's, you're so excited when you're young into the job, and then maybe you're just you know are hardened hit with the cold reality of the business facts in the world as you move up but yeah it was it, a very interesting article
1: it's super interesting that you referred to that it's interesting observation and i think like two thoughts on that like first with generalism i think it's pretty logical you know as product designers we know like human behavior like people like novelty people like new stuff we need to create like different diverse like patterns and diverse variable rewards even for users to motivate them to stay with the product longer. So the same thing as you as like a a designer to stay longer with your career, you need to have variability in in something you're tackling. And it's interesting that you mentioned with the progression or career growth, the satisfaction is decreasing. I think like it's, I don't know if the study was about managers. But maybe there is something when people are transitioning into management, especially in these creative disciplines like product design, this transition might be painful for some period of time when you are letting go the craft, the actual creative part of your job, and start doing the people management, which might be pretty challenging for people who have never done that before, or who might be not. Into that, you know, talking to people, that <laughs> leading people, organizing groups of people. So I actually found myself in this trap some time ago when I felt like this amount of people management or like processes job in my current role didn't give enough space for the creative thinking, you know, but the yeah. thing is that again, coming back to this idea of like, Your job is something you can design, you can modify that. So, for example, like putting a slot for focus time as today, I have no meetings day, my favorite day of the week, as I mentioned. So, and using that for creative work, for strategizing, for design vision, for something that you still enjoy, even being a leader or people manager, is something that helps you balance and still make this. Work creative or, for example, as a design manager, you can design through design reviews, not necessarily through Figma as a tool. So if, for example, previously Figma was the way how you were design hands on. Now you're not doing that this way, but you're doing that through design jams or design critique sessions when you have these conversations with designers. And it's also very creative, very creative part of the job. And being aware of these things and modifying the job at different levels, again, is something that helps you feel more satisfied with that. Yeah. And if it's like, again, it's, it's absolutely fine if at some point you realize that after doing the management for some time and years, it's something not for me, you can always switch back to the IC track. It's possible now we have a couple of examples like that in Mira as well, when people are at, like very high leadership roles, switch it back to the, for example, principal design roles, and they are super happy now with their work. And like, now we have these, you know, tools to do these transitions as designers, so we should use them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think another interesting thing to dive into is, like, you have really climbed the ranks at Miro from where you started and how you got to where you are today. Maybe you can give us in just like a really brief overview of all of the different positions that you've held at Miro.
1: <laughs> you know, Sted, I need to open LinkedIn to do that. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't remember, but I can do my best to to see, okay, so I started as a product designer in one or two teams. So it was enterprise and growth teams for my first year, pretty junior level. Like overall, I was deferred in the company as product designer. And yeah, it took me maybe a year or two to just getting familiar with this discipline, get into the level of quality and deliverables and the speed that like is expected from designers in the company like Mira. And from that, I transitioned to a lead product designer for the growth stream because I was one of the, like I was the first designer in the growth stream and we started scaling that pretty fast. So from one team to several teams. So at some point I was already designing for three teams in the growth. So like, activation, acquisition, engagement, monetization, maybe even four. (laughs) And together with that, as I mentioned, like with this leadership, lead product design positions, I started leading some projects outside of Rose sometimes. For example, we had R&D Lab. So it was something like a small team where we were doing a lot of research, experimenting around some prototypes and validating some new concepts. So for example, I was leading one of the projects there. So yeah, just uh, taking some leadership opportunities, being open for them helped me to progress to the lead uh, product designer role. And then from that, I was doing that maybe again for a couple of years and then COVID happened. When COVID happened, I already told how Mira started scaling. It was super fast. And for growth, we needed to scale this discipline a lot. Like we already started opening new teams There was me and one another product designer. And of course, it's not enough to cover the needs for 10 teams. And so I actually took this challenge to try myself in people management, but it wasn't that natural. Maybe these days, for example, if you want to try out people management, you can get your first direct report. Maybe you will do that for a couple of months after that. Can hire your first employee and things like that. So, in my situation, it was a bit different because I started like leading another designer and I had to hire three or four designers in six months because we already had teams that were not stopped at all. Yeah. So that was a stretch transition to the people management. But I was doing that. I was hiring people being a lead designer. So, again, coming back to this concept of like, Doing the job first, taking it as experiments, and if it works, you can progress to the next step. Yeah. So after that, I had a small team of like three designers and I became a product design lead for this domain. And along the way, we were like scaling for the, the growth stream, attracting group product managers who then became my partners, creating new teams. And for that, I also covered like the hiring needs and building this team around that. And also recently, for example, a new content designer joined, which is a new discipline for us to learn. So overall now it's a team of eight people in total. And now I'm a product design manager. Yeah, this is this is my current time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so do you feel during this journey that you were more so the person who was wanting to go to the next step, find the next thing, get the promotion? Or were you kind of being encouraged and pushed to say like, hey, you should consider this. Are you really good at this? You should do the next level.
1: Wow, it's it's a good question. I think it's a combination of both. Because again, with these reflection moments, if you have them on a regular basis, as I mentioned, like at least once in a quarter, you think about this. And when you think, you start sharing that. So, for example, across maybe all these years, I was sharing my thoughts about my role or career openly with my manager or with our head of growth, with like my main partner now. So yeah, and when you are sharing that, people also kind of recognize that and start thinking, okay. What might be might be the business need and the opportunity for Kate to try out something like that and when you're sharing people become more practical from their side to come back yep. with some opportunities and then you know this magic and synergy is happening so I would say overall there was always a business need or there was always a new opportunity to take and I was always open to take that opportunity sure. so that was it you know this simple synergy that just happened. And in a company that is growing, it's always happening. Yeah. There was no moment when there is no new challenge. There is nothing to do. There is always something new that you can take and try. If you are open, just take and do that. That would probably help me making these decisions.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. You are managing people now and you're yeah. less in the individual contributor space. So and I also know that you are hiring, looking to hire. So yeah, maybe you could tell us a little bit just about like what you like about being a manager and how how you moved into that, and maybe a little bit about you know who who you're looking for next to join your team.
1: Yeah. It's a big topic, you know, for another podcast. <laughs> like right. what is it manager? Because, like, it's absolutely never-ending journey story and, yeah. So I think, like, overall, what I like about being a manager and how I even ended up being a manager is this connection between behavioral design or maybe even some psychology and people leadership. Because as a product designer in growth, I was used to diving deeper into this behavioral like design and different psychology aspects that can be used as growth techniques so then we can leverage the like user experience in the product. And then I realized that the same approaches or same techniques or even more in-depth things can be applied when you are a people manager. So you have people who are sometimes facing some challenges, they want to grow, or there are some just uncertainties or psychological Things that we can dive deeper to unpack them as people. So it's all like just some dots connected. And I realized that it's very interesting for me to combine all of that. So being still in the growth design discipline, but being a people manager and connecting that like thing as a behavioral design. So it's super powerful for me. And it's like for challenges or for some things that I enjoy or i'm trying to unpack for myself is actually empathetic leadership so it sounds pretty high level but like especially when you are in this moment of hyper growth company and everything is changing we need to deliver we need to move fast and a lot of changes are happening outside the company in the world so i think like recently after doing the reflection this is something that I just recognized as a big value that I want to keep in my role, like being empathetic and integrating that empathy into the leadership. So I just, I was even thinking of some phrase that resonated to me from Brennan Brown, one of the research professors. She's like super cool, created the book Dare to Lead. So she said, We are not necessarily thinking machines, we are feeling machines who think. And this, like, and this integration of empathy and leadership is something interesting for me to unpack these days. So this is one aspect. Another one in people management is like actually building empowered teams, not just building teams who do the work, (laughs) who uh, do it somehow, but building empowered teams. And yeah, so with this iteration mindset, giving teams space to actually pass through storming, forming, performing stages, it takes a lot of effort and also courage to to do things like that. So it's actually very interesting. And yeah, in terms of like looking for new people, um, for Mira, yeah, so we are right now like scaling our growth design and growth stream in general. And we have different opportunities there for both like product designers and also design managers. So, if anybody is interested in joining the company of scale like Mira, feel free to reach out to me and link it in LinkedIn, or we will also share some links here, uh, so we can discuss it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe you can give us a few minute rundown of who would be a good fit for a job at Miro.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was also thinking maybe diving a bit deeper into what is growth product design, just to uh, make it a bit more sure. specific, right? Because like sometimes people can misunderstand growth design and think like it's like gross hacking or like putting a banner on the website. <laughs> no, this is not growth design these days. So I would say growth design is like a good product design that is informed by data and very iterated. And the reason why I say that, I think like. Any good product design should be informed by data and iterated. And then if thinking of that from this lens, the difference between growth or product design is not that significant. Like, and thinking of people who are, who might be a good fit for, for this role or for the growth stream or company like Mira, I think like one essential asset is like, Curiosity in data, in any type of data, like qualitative, quantitative. We start any design project with data, understanding what we have at the moment, what we want to achieve. So this curiosity and just being passionate about data is something we are looking for. The learning mindset, we talked about that a lot here. So actually being open for these iterations, uh, fast experimentation, optimizing for learning is another thing that I think would be perfect for the role like that. And yeah, so just being passionate in these growth techniques or behavioral design disciplines uh, is a very powerful asset to use in the role like growth team to enable engagement, to enable activation of users and move past with iterations so these things i think in combination would create the best yeah. uh, profile for this role and again if there is no experience with growth streams or teams necessarily it's not a big problem because sometimes we still like people were doing the things like that experimentation and maybe a b testing in other com- in other teams in other streams that are not necessarily called like growth and so, yeah, they might be a good match even. Sure.
0: And you guys are hiring from all over the world or just locally?
1: It really depends. So we are located, our main hubs are located in Europe. So this is good to mention. So in Berlin and Amsterdam, so Gross Stream, in particular is located in Amsterdam. So if there are some folks or people who want to move from the US to Europe, I also see this as a trend these days, so that might be interesting to consider.
0: Cool. Okay, this has been fantastic talk. Thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and insight, and giving us a little peek behind the curtain at what design looks like at Miro. But yeah, I'll let you have the the final say before we sign off. And thank you again for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you, Seth. I like. I'm actually very excited about how it went and it exceeded my expectations in terms of some topics that we haven't planned to touch, but <laughs> we touched them. So, you know, this feeling when something is exceeding your expectation, we are calling it delight. So this is how I feel <laughs> now. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. I hope it will be somehow useful for people in your podcast.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today on the product design podcast. If you enjoyed our conversation, be sure and go follow our guests. Let them know they did a great job and you learned a lot Um, more to come in the following weeks as we bring on new guests, please hit that subscribe button so that you will get these podcasts uh, and learn a ton about the product design community. Excited to see you next time. Thanks.